I struggled for a long time with being gay. And drag was just this confidence, this fierceness, this just owning yourself and being fabulous. And Sandy was uh, kind of born out of that, of that desire for that. I really wanted to be confident. I really wanted to be fabulous. And Sandy was my way that I could do that in a way that I felt comfortable. You're listening to CWC Talks, a podcast from the University of Florida Counseling and Wellness Center. In each episode, we discuss mental health topics related to the experience of being a student and share the struggles and joys of taking care of your mental health while in college. Please note, CWC Talks is not a substitute for counseling and may be sensitive for people who have experienced trauma. All guests' views are their own and do not speak for the CWC, the University of Florida, or the mental health profession as a whole. Well, hello. I am here today with Sandy Pearls, and I am so excited to have you on the podcast and also videotaping our conversation today for anyone who might prefer to watch in addition to listening. Sandy, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. I'm so excited to be here today. I am so excited to have you. I wonder if we could start with a big question. Okay. Uh, Counselors like big questions. And I know you are also a counselor. Yes, I am. So who are you and how did you come to be here? Hmm. Call out the elephant in the room first. I'm a drag queen. You, if you weren't sure, Sandy's been around for about a year now, maybe a little over a year. She's a new, she's a, maybe not a drag baby anymore, but she, she was born out of empowerment. Sandy comes from a place that, where I feel just empowered and strong and confident. In my life outside of drag, like, I struggled for a long time with being gay. And drag was just this confidence, this fierceness, this just owning yourself and being fabulous. And Sandy was uh, kind of born out of that, of that desire for that. I really wanted to be confident. I really wanted to be fabulous. And Sandy was my way that I could do that in a way that I felt comfortable. Where maybe there was ways in normal life that I didn't feel comfortable doing that. So Sandy was born out of empowerment. That's a creative way to say it. I guess. Yeah. So you mentioned, so Sandy's relatively new in your life in, in full form. So relatively new, like, like this, this fabulous. I wonder about early experiences that you may have had where maybe there was a longing to express yourself in this way but it didn't show up fully in your life. And I'm thinking about, yeah, yeah, Nutcracker story, for example, or other 
significant experiences that might suggest that Sandy's been in there before. Yeah, Sandy's always been inside waiting to kind of break free, I feel. Um, For me growing up and experiencing and dealing with all the shame, I really struggled um, and still do with depression. And I really consider it being born out of that shame and that just constrictive environment. I, I couldn't be myself. And so I had to shut down in the worst way possible. And so I feel like Sandy was always inside wanting to come out, wanting to be there. Um, one of my first introductions to drag was one of my favorite Broadway musicals, uh, La Caja Fall. <laughs> Surprise, I'm a gay man that loves theater. And I all, and it's about drag queens. The musical is about drag queens. It's, it's a funny musical. There's movies that have been made based off it. And it's just a fabulous musical. But throughout it, like there's a song where one of the main characters is singing while he's getting into drag and how it's just changing him and he's blossoming as he's getting into drag. And oh, I always listen to that. And I was like, oh, that sounds so nice. So glamorous. That just sounded amazing. And for me, growing up through especially high school and then into college, um, I'm a thick and juicy girl. I have a lot of weight on me. I'm a bigger person. And outside of drag, I experienced so much shame around that. And also drag for me was a way to like, reclaim who I am of like, I am sexy, I am beautiful, I am just delightful. And I was able to reclaim those things in a way I just wasn't able to before. I just, you describing that feels so moving to me and poignant. And I wonder when you are not in drag do you bring back some of that body positivity to your experience of being in your body when you're not in drag i try i feel like in drag it's much easier for me to be a thick and juicy woman but as a man um, especially a gay man I've taken on some of that, but it's still really hard because there's a lot of stigma within, especially gay men, to be the Adonis, the fit, muscular, sexy, twink, hunk, whatever words you want to throw in there. And honey, I am not that. I don't ever see that happening. And I've gotten to a point where that's okay. And I'm learning to love my body as it is and more appreciate what it does for me and not focus on how I look. But Sandy is this way that I can, I'm still as thick and juicy as I was before, but oh, gorgeous. Tell me how you 
I, it's recent, right? Like in my, in my world, because I'm 40 a year ago or just over a year doesn't, you know, almost sounds like yesterday in some ways to me. Right. Um, but like, tell me about emerging, like, tell me about like the first time or just, Oh yeah. Oh, the first time I'm a Halloween queen or a Halloween. I forgot how you say it. Because uh, drag was, I first did drag on Halloween. And a couple years ago I did it, but it was much more androgynous. It was, um, it wasn't drag, but it was like, also me being very feminine, putting on a lot of makeup, but it was more androgynous. But a couple years ago was my first time I was like, I am doing drag for Halloween. Like I am going all out. I ended going all out in a party where nobody else went out and everyone was like, I'm a character from a TV show. I'm like, you threw on a jacket out. This took six hours and I dressed as Eliza Minnelli. Um, Cause I was like, what's something that I can do? Cause there's so many ideas and I'm like, oh, do I do a drag? I was like, I forget if I already had a wig or something that I was like, oh, Liza Minnelli, she's fabulous. And then, and then I could wear this sparkly outfit that just had all these sequins on it. And oh, I felt so beautiful. I, I just, oh, I was living for it. At that time, did you, did you know that you needed to make this a bigger part of your life? I don't think so. I think I realized I loved it and I loved how it felt. Where I, oh, I love how, I love how this feels now. I'm like transported. And I think I realized that part of like, oh, this is touching a deep part of me like this isn't just like a oh this is fun this was like a oh this like I don't know what's happening here like the Grinch when his like heart goes back to normal size and you're and he's like that was what I felt where I was just like I'm alive (laughs) and I think I knew I wanted more of that. More of that feeling, more of that experience. Yes. Uh, almost. Yeah. I, I, the, the way you're describing it, it's like the normal words we have don't capture it. But I just was thinking of like a type of homecoming, really deep. Yes. And I think it was like a homecoming for a home I didn't know was home. Where it was like, I thought I was home, and then I realized, oh, wow, this is available. So you are an advanced doctoral psychology intern with us right now. We're so fortunate to have you with us. You know, you're a therapist. You are, uh, you're, you've dedicated your professional life to trying to help other people with their pain. I'm curious how being Sandy has, 
been helpful for you and also the, having the experience of being Sandy impacts the way that you approach counseling? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. Oh, I can tell you're a therapist too. <laughs> Sandy honestly kind of saved me. It sounds cliche and kind of cheesy, but Sandy really did save me. I, like I mentioned earlier, like I've struggled with depression for a while um, until I finally fully came out. Um, Suicidal ideation was not unheard of in my thought process. And Sandy helped me to feel more confident and like I could be who I wanted to be. Sandy is for me not putting on a persona. It's not acting, it's not playing a character. For me, Sandy is being something a little more authentically and being a little more me than I can be in normal life. It's, it's a way for a unique part of me that I have to hide living in a heteronormative world. Sandy allows me to kind of pull that out and, and live into it fully. And that's always oh, such a good experience for myself. So in that way, she saved me. There was a piece of me that was hidden, locked away. And I was finally able to bring that piece of me out and say, here, live your life. And that's been life-changing, where depression is not as bad as it once was. Suicidal ideation, hardly ever. And if it is, it's really passive. And I get to actually live now. And I can be confident in myself in helping other people. I think it is, it's kind of like the airplane thing where people are like, make sure you put on your own oxygen before you do the person next to you. For me, if I can live more fully, that gives everybody else the permission and maybe encouragement to live more fully. And that's really what I view it as, is that by showing this of revealing and sharing Sandy Pearls with the UF community right now, it's, hey, this is me being congruent and being myself. Your turn. There's so much important in what you just shared. And one of the questions that I have as a follow-up is about vulnerability. Because I think one of my barriers to being more me, whatever that looks like, is like terror, that terror of rejection terror that people are going to move away from me on the bus, so to speak, or just that I'll lose some privileged status that I have coveted 
people will d disown me or disconnect from me or somehow there will be recrimination and punishment. How have you coped with that? Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Have a question about mental health? Have any questions about CWC? Ask it. Ask it is a new way for students to ask mental health questions and get answers from a CWC associate. Ask It provides responses to a range of inquiries such as when to ask for help, how to manage day-to-day -day stress, how to support a fellow Gator, existing resources for addressing mental health concerns, and more. Once you submit your question and contact information, a CWC clinician will respond with an answer within five to seven business days. Ask your question today at counseling.ufl.edu forward slash ask it. Part of it, I'm still figuring out how to cope with. But that vulnerability piece was, for so long, I was afraid of showing myself. I, I was bullied in high school for being gay, even though I wasn't out. And I'm like, oh, well, I must be a little too not masculine, flamboyant, whatever. And I, I, I for the longest time, I shut. Like I said, I shut myself down. I didn't let people see that because I've seen what people have done with that before. And a couple of years ago, I came, I think I was talking with somebody and they were sharing with me and I came to the realization that like, just be you. Don't be who somebody wants you to be. Um, I think it was in terms of like interview where we're always worried about like, I have to have the right answer for their interview question. And I, and I was like, no, just be you. You're fun. You got great sense of humor. People love you. Like, why wouldn't they love you if you were just yourself while you interviewed? And if I'm trying to be somebody else and I get in there or whatever the context is, and I gotta keep being somebody else. And that's way more work than just being myself of like, love me or bye. Not everyone has to love this. I know not everybody loves this. Not my problem. Sounds like the other one's missing out. And not that I still don't worry about what people think of me. <laughs> All the time, but I, but I don't hide, I try not to hide that. And maybe for safety reasons, there's times that I hide that. I don't walk through Gainesville like this because I don't need that. But that's safety. And that's just the reality of things. It sucks, but it's what it is. But when I can show myself to people, I'm gonna do it. I'm sure I have clients that I'm seeing that are going to watch this. You're not finding out my dirty little secret. This isn't something I just do behind closed doors. Like, congratulations. Here's a more fuller version of me. And I'll still be a dang good therapist for you. And, and I think for me, that's so important to correct that narrative because drag for so long has been like, 
they're perverts. Uh, there's something wrong with them. Like the bull of like, they were too close to their mother and they had a distant father. Like, okay. If that was the case, why aren't we all drag queens or gay? And so for me, it's important to correct that narrative of that is not what's happening here. This is not my dirty little secret. This is a beautiful part of me that I could just share with the world. But it is like a precious part. It's a diamond of who I am. And I'm not just going to go share that diamond like with everybody. It's a precious thing that I'm going to share with people I trust. I'm so glad that car alarm stopped. <laughs> and that we could and that we could hear you finish that statement with the with the silence and the space around what you were saying um, that that really deserves. I hope that if anyone was distracted by that car alarm, you will go back. Is that on my end? Yeah. Oh. Um, if you will go back and listen to Sandy again, because even though that car alarm is there and we can't take it out, that was worth hearing fully. <laughs> Excuse me while I go to the parking lot and paint for rent. Never did that. <laughs> How dare Do they? not mess with a man <laughs> in a wig. <laughs> so I uh, mentioned the Nutcracker story, and I realize you haven't told it yet, and I want you to tell it because I bet we'll get in trouble if, if we don't explain what that is. <laughs> Oh, you mentioned it earlier and I was like, what in the world is she talking about? What nutcracker story? <laughs> and now I remember, oh, yeah. Oh. So I think this goes into, like, most of us when we're children, we're like, we don't give a rip what anybody says or thinks. Like, we march, and especially as a kid, I marched to the beat of my own drum. I was like, okay, I want to play with Barbies. Got a problem with that? And I think one of the best stories, um, which I laugh with my parents, because I'm like, you were really surprised when I came out as gay? <laughs> really? Is that in preschool, I think it was, for, like, our Christmas party or whatever, they put on like a little pageant performance, whatever it is that preschoolers can participate in, of like the Nutcracker. And they divided and they, I think they read like a short version of the Nutcracker and the kids got to act and they divided all the kids, the boys were Nutcrackers and the girls were Sugar Plum Fairies. And the boy nutcrackers wore like suit jackets and the sugar plum fairies wore pink tutus. And I did not want to wear the stupid sports jacket. I wanted to wear the pink tutu and I wanted to be a sugar plum fairy with my close friend at the time who was a girl. And I was like, and I, oh, it's probably a good thing that, like, I don't have, like, really vivid memories of that. I just know it happened. 
because I can only imagine what the teachers probably said to me of like, are you sure you want it? Like, this is at a Presbyterian preschool. Like, they were probably like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, wouldn't you rather put on the, like, be with the other boys? And I was like, no, give me the pink tutu. Put the little blush on my cheek. Like, and I joined all the other girls in the class to be sugar plum fairies. And I don't think we have any pictures of it. If they are, they're probably really <laughs> in. I don't think that was my parents' proudest moment, but I think for me it was just that I was like, who cares? Who cares if I wear a pink tutu versus one of them stupid sports jackets? Like, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that is, as children, especially, I think the younger we are, because the younger we are, the less time society, culture, judgments, uh, shame has had to catch up with us and shape us out of our most natural, authentic self, right? Yep. So, so I think, yeah, the fact that that happened in preschools, like you weren't aware yet, as aware as you became about what was acceptable behavior um, and gender expression and, or gender bending or whatever, you know, um, sexual orientation, all of it in that. I wanted you to tell that story because I think it's a nice lead in, I mean, I think it speaks to the beauty of, of young children and, and how so much of that might get covered up along the way. Um, and, and your notion of this was like finding a diamond, like as you think about something that gets buried, right? That has to be like excavated to find. But I, but I had a couple of questions from that. One is how is being a drag queen different from being like transgender? Mm, great question. So I am, I do not identify as transgender at all because for me, I like being a man outside of drag. I, I, I have no problems with that. I, I really like being a man. This is a different gender expression and has nothing to do with my gender identity. Because um, my gender identity is a man, very secure. And your sexual orientation is a, a gay man. Yep, yep. Okay. So this is my gender expression, where I express things differently all the time. Sometimes when I'm doing therapy or out and about, I'm wearing maybe more androgynous clothing. Sometimes when I'm hanging about the house, I've got hanging about the house. I've got like a very pink flowery like kimono robe that I love. It's fabulous. And then sometimes I put a little more on. That's helpful, Um, especially for folks who aren't as familiar with the differences. I think that's really helpful to establish that. Sandy, your hair looks great. It's holding. It's holding. It looks great. Oh, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but my other question is, about your parents and your family. Oh, yes. Um, So I was raised very conservative and I come from a very conservative family. And 
<laughs> Being gay was one thing that they were not fans of, and I still aren't fans of. Um, and then telling uh, my drag was well, just last nail in that coffin. Because I think I, I come from a very religious background, so they very much have this like being gay is a choice, pray the gay away, yada yada yada. And I personally spent time in that camp a long time ago, but I think they were always like, "There's hope for him." And then so when they came out as like, so I did drag. I think they were like. That hope was rightfully destroyed. So it's something that um, I don't share often with them. Family members have told me, I don't want to see pictures. And I was like, then I won't send them. But like I said earlier, that's their loss. They don't get to partake in the beauty that is Sandy Pearls. It is their loss. And that, I just respectful of just how much work and soul searching and self embracing has gone into you being able to be here and say that and mean it. It's taken a while. It's taken quite a bit. And for the longest time I worried about what are they going to say? What's going to happen? And now it's, and I felt like I had to move to meet them where they were. And now I'm finally at the point where it's like, yeah, if you're in a relationship, you're going to have to catch up with me. Because I've already processed whether this goes south. And I don't have a relationship with my family anymore. Like, if that's what happens. That you're going to choose you. If you have to make a choice, you're choosing you. I'm going to choose me. Which is not always hard to say, not always easy to say. It is often very hard to choose me, especially when it comes to family. And I wonder if, you know, if students are watching this, which hopefully they are or listening on the podcast, that appreciating that the younger we are, the the more we rely on our parents for their financial support, if nothing else, yeah. um, which we know financial support can be, can be what makes all the rest of it possible at the time yeah. that you're, you're speaking from being some, some years on this journey of independence from them and being, having yeah. more resources where you can support yourself in ways that aren't always possible when we're younger. That's a great point of, yeah, I did not really push back and claim my own space until more recently because I am more independent. Because there was always that fear of what happens. I'm in this weird space where I'm partially being supported by you. I don't want to like, what's the phrase, bite the hand that feeds me. So that's hard situation to be in and and it sounds like with that came depression shame you know not not knowing if it was going to be worth living so that you pay a high price for that Mm. high price Mm. 
highest price, which is sad. And and right, right. I was just thinking a lot of of all the people who have come before that paid the highest price and didn't have a chance to turn it to turn it around. Yeah. Yeah. What is the ideal trajectory for you, Sandy, as a psychologist? Sandy, for me as a way, because Sandy is where my confidence and my like, oh, she's just so much fun to talk to. Like, I want to continue making sure Sandy makes appearances in my clinical work. For me, it's a way that I better connect with people. I don't have the time or the energy to do this every day for like all therapy sessions, but I think it's a great, Sandy is a great person for bigger conversations. Sandy, I think it's a great way to better give information. When a drag queen walks in the room or appears on anything, people stop and they look and they listen. And that is a power that I want to harness for something good. Drag is very, just drag in general, is very entertaining. RuPaul's Drag Race has produced so many great artists that I love and I, and I connect with. It's also entertainment. And some queens are doing amazing things. I want to utilize that power, that energy, do what I love most is helping heal the world as cheesy and cliche as that sounds. That's what I want to utilize her for because she is, I think a great baseboard for talking about so many things, talking about identity, gender, authenticity, congruence. Being fully ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That that is what I want to encourage people to do with Sandy is this is me being a little more authentic. I moved here from Portland, Oregon, which is like known for like keep Portland weird. And it's known for just people being like eccentric and wearing wild anything like but it's authenticity. It's like, I don't know what this is from, but like, let your freak flag fly. Just own who you are. Whether people label it as freaky, weird, unusual, I'm like, well, that's a shame that you view this as unusual because uh, your life could have so much more color. And that's what I want to encourage people to do. Be yourself. We try, we're told so much throughout our lives of who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act. And that sucks. It's a load of bull. And not that you don't have to tailor yourself to situations and be socially kind of responsive, but usually we tailor and like, minimize ourselves way too much and we cut off core pieces of who we are and it's like 
Be yourself. Just be yourself. Allow yourself to have the freedom to do that. I suspect that people listening to this message from you have a sense in some way of what area of their lives or their identities or their personal expression is locked away. And it may not look mm. anything like Sandy Pearls. But like I even sitting with you, I'm like, oh yeah, I know I got it. You know, there's a, there's something in the box and I hear it scratching around. I can hear it scratching a little more because of you, because of sitting here with you. And that's very moving to me, much more powerful than I had anticipated. I've had like tears in my eyes almost the whole time. It's, and that's that part of me giving people permission to even view it. Not that you go running out and being like, screw this. <laughs> so it's risky because it is oh. risky. That was so my, risky. right. That was my question about vulnerability. It's like, mm. crap, this is vulnerable. It's so risky. And it's also beautiful because then when you risk and people go, And the people that connect with it, love it. And those are just deeper connections that you never had before. Because now you're, they're actually connecting with you. They're not connecting with the nice little mask that you put on. They're connecting with you. And yeah, people will reject it. That's our problem. I know people are going to, there's always going to be the haters. Why? You're not worth my time. And I, if you don't like this, I don't want to be around you anyways. Thank you for doing me like the hard work of researching who you actually are. But it is risky because maybe there's relationships you already have that are not as real and authentic as you think. And they will react poorly to you being authentic. And that will be you losing a relationship. And that is hard. That is tricky. And I have lost friendships. I have family members that I have now strained relationships with. And yeah, that's hard. But all the people I've met through this, that then interact with me on an authentic level. So worth it. So worth it. In the queer community, we have the term chosen family. Because even if the community, the family that you were born into rejects you, oh my gosh, we'll find our own. I'll build my own family. I don't need to stick it into this and fit into this heteronormative ideal that biological family is everything. And I think that's what you do when you build congruence in a way everybody finds their chosen family who will be there to support you through thick and thin because they're supporting you and not the fake you. 
how can counselors, people like you, people like me, people who look nothing like either one of us, how can they play a role in that if someone is particularly searching for their authentic self and worried about the costs of coming out as their authentic self, whatever that might be? Where might counseling play a role? Counseling can play a huge role. And how I view it is that the counseling room can become like your testing space of like, let me dip a toe in the water of like authenticity and let's see how that feels. Let's practice it with my therapist who is hopefully a very warm and welcoming and supportive person. And as you keep practicing that, you're like, oh, I told my therapist this very like personal thing about me and they didn't reject me. Okay, we can stick two toes in now. And I hope that just becomes like a testing ground for people to test congruence and authenticity to realize like, oh, this is doable and I'm not going to lose all my friends I'm not going to be completely rejected and kicked out. And especially for queer people, that's, it's a helpful narrative because it is what happens sometimes. And I, it still happens way more than it should of people losing family communities when they come out. And I think it's maybe helpful is a bad word for it, but it's good to remember that and hold that but also that it becomes negative and unhelpful because that's just like the perpetual loop of like, oh God, I'm going to come out and my parents are going to completely reject me. Like they're just going to grab me by the wrist and throw me out the front door. I'm just going to have the clothes on my back and I'm like going to die in a gutter, cold and freezing in the rain. And yes, Sometimes that happens. But when that's the only narrative that's going, it's like, well, if I come out as queer, gay, trans, whatever the identity is, the narratives of like, oh, this is gonna really, really suck and be the mo and be the worst thing ever, I think holds a lot of people from doing that. Well, in discovering what all the possibilities are too. Yeah. You may lose, but you're probably gonna win big as well. And and that I think is what therapy is for me, what the therapy room is. It's a container to be like, oh, we can test this and make sure that, oh, okay, they didn't reject me. Oh. My, my therapist still cares about me, even after I told them this. And maybe if my therapist can accept me, care about me, even not just validate me, but really, really champion what they are seeing, um, then maybe my mom and dad can't. Uh, but 
maybe they'll get there. Who knows? But but if they can't, maybe there are other human beings who also could, right? Because yes. nobody wants an N of one ultimately for that in their life. But that notion of building out a chosen family, once you just have a taste of that kind of response from another person. Having therapists that saw me was like incredible. To be able to tell them who I was and then to be like, cool, I'm here. I'm not going to reject you. I'm not going to I even saw a therapist so long ago and the context was more of a conversion therapy. Thankfully, my therapist was not strong on the conversion therapy and I felt way more acceptance than anything of like, let's try to change this. And even just saying what I went through and him being able to normalize it and say like, yeah, that's not uncommon. Like, I thought I was a freak. And I learned through that process, like, oh, no, I'm just human. And beautifully so. Thank you for bringing your beautiful humanity into this conversation, Sandy. These are the conversations that give me life. Me too. I mean, I I just want to reiterate, like I'm, I was excited about this. You know, we've been looking forward to this for for months now, and yeah. yet being here with you, there's something just almost intangibly powerful about being with you, connecting with you as Sandy. That uh, I suspect will be reverberating with me for a long time. I am glad to hear that because as much as Sandy saved me, that is my hope that she saves other people too, that it's just like the saving is contagious. Does that feel like a good place to stop for now? It does. Okay. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, the tears in my eyes finally spilled over, so I think that's... I think that's a good signal. It has been. Thank you, Sandy. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being open yeah. to having a drag queen on the I show. I hope to see more of you in the future. I hope you do too. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find CWC Talks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Please leave us a rating and review us. Email us at cwc-talks at ufl.edu with your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Show notes, resources, and more can be found at counseling.ufl.edu slash cwctalks.